Would you please stand as we read God's word? Mark 6, verses 30 through 44. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was five thousand. This is God's holy word. Good morning. You may be seated. Well, thank you for being here. If we have not met, my name is Nathan, and I, uh, I get to be pastor here at West Bowles. And uh, I say that differently this morning because uh, my wife and I had the privilege of going on the, the youth trip this last week out to California. And um, we flew out, and then we flew back. But our, our flight, we got there, and people asked, how'd the flight go? And I was like, well, it took off like this, and then we landed like this. And I, the whole time I was thinking, this is how it ends. This is it right here. So I'm really thankful to be here this morning. But thank you for joining us, whether it's in person or online. We're glad that you're spending a Sunday with us. Well, let me, let me ask you a question, just to reflect on a question here. Um, do you have any, any, any things in your life that as you think about it, it's a really, really big deal, but if you were to trace it back and trace it back and trace it back, you realize it started really, really small? Yeah, we all have those, right? And usually we think of a problem, right? I mean, a, a, a mosquito is no big deal, but if a mosquito is in your tent, it's a big deal, isn't it, when you're camping? You know, a pebble is not a big deal, but if you're out for a run or you're out on a hike and there's a pebble in the shoe, it's a big deal, Right? Okay, here, let me, let me get a little more relatable. An Oreo dunked in milk, okay? An Oreo dunked in milk one second too long or one second too short. It's a big deal, isn't it? 
In fact, I'm just going to uh, rabbit trail for a second. I got my, um, my wrist slapped by my doctor because, uh, just being transparent, a little bit of a cholesterol thing a while back, and he said, hey, he's been here before. He's like, do you still talk about Oreos in your sermons? And I was like, I, I do. He's like, what happens when you talk about Oreos in your sermons, Nathan? I said, people buy them for me. And he's like, you're going to need to stop, Okay. He said, start talking about $20 bills, start talking about cars, start talking about something. I mean, people can buy you that. So from now on, if I say $20 bill, you know I'm, I'm actually talking about Oreos. Okay. Um, or there was this last week, um, there was a peculiar warning out at Huntington Beach when we got there. Usually, you know, you're on the lookout for jellyfish, stuff like that at Huntington Beach. And the warning this week was actually not jellyfish, it was stingrays stingrays. And so the, the lifeguard, I'm talking to him, and he's like, well, you know, there are some things you can do to avoid, you know, getting stung by a stingray. And I was like, okay, well, let me hear it. And he's like, well, one, it'd be good if, if the kids aren't like sprinting full speed into the water. And number two, don't have them high stepping over the waves. And I look over and my daughter is just like right into the waves. And I, I thought, well, it's, I'm going to put it to prayer now and uh, hope it doesn't happen. Um, and that may sound noble, but I was really just praying she would get stung before I did, so I know what, what not to do. So anyway, yes, there are, she's not here this morning, so I can say that right now. Um, we can think of big deals that started as a small thing, and usually it's along the lines of a problem, isn't it? Well, one idea for you this morning, and I want to start up top, and on your way in, you may have gotten a page like this. Um, this is that first idea up top. And here's the idea. Jesus brings a lot from a little. Jesus brings a lot from a little. And if you got one of these pages, I had a formatting error, so it's on here twice. You can just, you only need one set of bullet points. You can use the bottom for notes. And then some of you, we just don't trust to get it the first time, so write it down twice, okay? But um, no, that's, that's the idea this morning. Jesus brings a lot from a little. And the reason I bring that up is because that can be a very portable idea. It can sound very inspirational. It's very postable on social media. But the problem is that's often where it stays, isn't it? As we follow Jesus, it can just stay there, very vague, very inspirational, very nebulous. But what I want to do this morning, and my aim this morning, is to make that very practical for every single one of us. And the reason I want to make it practical is because of what is going on in the book of Mark. If you're joining us for the first time, we together are going through the book of Mark, and we're in Mark chapter 6. Now, those first five chapters of Mark, what's happening is Jesus is establishing his earthly ministry. In those first five chapters, it is just, it is a wide range of situations that Jesus steps into, and he, and he begins to minister within and bring the abundance of his presence into but then we get to Mark chapter 6, and you know what Jesus does? He starts looking around. And he goes, you know what? This is such a blessing for me. Yes, I'm paraphrasing here. But I think Jesus knew ministry was such a blessing for him that he decided, I want everybody else to experience this. And so you see him at the beginning of Mark chapter 6, as we talked about a few weeks ago. He begins handing ministry to these disciples who have barely been following him, and he hands it off to them. And they begin to go forward. And as Jesus is being rejected in Nazareth and, and his forerunner, John the Baptist, is being beheaded in prison, the disciples are having all kinds of success in ministry. 
And and I believe there's something to this, this account that we're going to look at this morning. As you walk through this account that Charlene just read, and as we walk through it, one of the things you're going to see are the very practical places, these little things, that there's just a little bit of it in the account. And yet it's in those little spots, those little locations in ministry, that if we'll pay attention to what Jesus is up to there, you realize Jesus brings a lot from a little. And so that's my aim this morning. You got seven bullet points there. I believe, I I counted seven in here. There are probably dozens and dozens. But seven, that I believe if we could reorient the way we see ministry, you know what I think would happen? This thing that we talk about quite a bit here is that what happens on Sunday would move into Monday. Because isn't it true that you're here because somebody was ministry-minded enough that they looked around And maybe it wasn't church on a Sunday morning, but it was in the middle of class on a Wednesday. That was the case for me. There's a kid from this church, one of my childhood friends, who had his head on a swivel enough, he had his antenna up enough to look around for an opportunity. And he said, Nathan, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me show you Jesus. He didn't just say it. He lived it. He lived it. See, that's what we want for every single person in here. We want you to take Sunday into Monday. And to be so ministry-minded that you begin seeing just how much Jesus does in these little opportunities that we'll see in the passage this morning. And so let's, let's begin to walk through it. First, we're going to pick up where we did last week. Remember, we had a, a whole guide on rest that we got from, from these handful of verses uh, at the beginning of this account last week. But let me go back. The apostles, verse 30, gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Sounds good, doesn't it? So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, and now the issue's going to come up. They've gotten a little rest, maybe. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. And remember, we stopped here last week because I'm not sure compassion is what would be sitting in my heart if I knew I was going away for rest and there was a crowd there waiting. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And honestly, I want to pick up right where we left off last week. It's this idea that with just a little bit of rest— a little bit of rest, God can bring forth a whole lot. And it's what Jesus does. And we went through all the details last week. If you missed it, you can go back and watch it on our YouTube channel. But here's the thing. The point isn't, especially now in America, that we don't get opportunities to rest. It's are we inviting Jesus into those opportunities to rest? Because oftentimes we're not. I mean, how many vacations have you gone on and you came home more tired than when you left? You had those? You've had those weekends? Yeah, we all have. See, the question is, have we invited Jesus into those moments enough that we can have his heart of compassion no matter who and no matter what we come across when we come out of it? And you see God do this throughout Scripture. Remember we talked about Elijah? Elijah has this great victory over these pagan prophets. 
And then this woman Jezebel hears about it and she is mad and she starts breathing out these death threats toward him. So he runs for three days on fear and he is exhausted. And what do we read happens? The angel of the Lord showed up and and he eats and he sleeps and he eats and he sleeps, gets up and having rested, ministered to by the angel of God, what does Elijah do? He runs 40 days, 40 days to the mountain of God where he was ready to hear God's voice. See, ultimately, to invite Jesus into our rest and to be intentional about resting in Jesus is really to gain his heart of compassion, isn't it? Here's a quick test, and if you get our email, our midweek email, you you got some semblance of this this week. I want to list a few labels, a few different names, and I, I just want you to pay attention to what goes on inside. Because what happens inside of us is probably an indicator of how much rest in Christ we've gotten. Okay, ready? Let's, let's start with, let's start with a, a very polarizing one. Ready? Republicans. Democrats. Okay, how about a, a really polarizing one? Tom Brady. Raiders fans. Right? I mean, you could just build out this list. And and what we really ought to pay attention to is what's going on inside of us. Right? I mean, I, I, you know, I mentioned Oreos earlier. I promise I won't say it out. Oh, $20 bills. Sorry. But, you know, there's regular Oreos and double stuff Oreos. I mean, this is a heated debate with my friends anyway. So we all have this heart reaction, don't we? And a good indicator of just how much rest we've gotten, even just a little, is can we have compassion on those that we don't align with in whatever sphere it's in? Because Jesus brings a lot from just a little bit of rest. Well, we keep going. You see another one, verse 35. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Did you catch that? It was late in the day. Just a little bit of time. Just a little bit of time. Are are you sitting here today and you're you're thinking, gosh, you know, I have have a lot of stuff I wish I had done when I was younger. I mean, I, I see this so often. And we talked about this a little last week. We get into this retirement mindset because of careers and the way, especially the American, you know, just the, the um, workforce is set up. We, we get used to the idea of retirement from a career or a job. And yet when you look at ministry, it keeps going. It keeps on going, which means it's never, never, never too late. Did you catch what Mark said there? By this time, it was late in the day. The disciples echoed it. It's already very late. What can, what can possibly happen now? See, we of all people should be able to, to look at no matter how much time is left and say it's not too late. And we, we get it throughout scripture, don't we? A few weeks ago, we talked about Lazarus had been dead for four days in the tomb. The prevailing thought in that day, in that time, was once three days had passed, the spirit was nowhere near the body, nothing could be done to possibly revive somebody. 
Four days have gone by. Jesus goes, that's no problem. I can deal with that. Remember John chapter 1 when the disciples came to Jesus? They'd spent all this time following John the Baptist. John sees Jesus. He says, there he is. And it was four in the afternoon. It was late in the day. Or maybe the best known example, the thief on the cross next to Jesus. Right? Here's a man who's just, he's just been corrupt his entire life. And yet at the very end, what did Jesus say? He said, today, you will be with me in paradise. Today. It's not too late. It isn't too late. I've shared, and some of you have heard this story, my, grand, my grandmother. I mean, for years, our family, before she, before she passed and we saw she was going downhill, it was like, oh, she, she doesn't know the Lord. She doesn't know Jesus. She's got to be saved. And there was this urgency about us. And so people would, you know, try to set up conversations with her. And she just, I mean, she could see it from a mile away. She was so good at avoiding. You know, she'd go to the kitchen, start cooking, and you couldn't bug her while she was cooking and, and all this stuff. Finally, 60 hours before she ended up passing, I had an uncle who showed up. And he said, can we talk? And she said, I think you've been wanting to do this for a long time, haven't you? And she came to know her Savior 60 hours before she passed into eternity. You know why? Because Jesus can bring a lot out of just a little bit of time. A little bit of time. So let us never look at our situation and say it's too late in life. It's too late in the day. It's too late in the week. You know, I I get it. We all, speaking of being ministry-minded through the week, have you noticed you come out of Sunday and it's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just inspired. I'm ready to go out there and take on the world. And then Monday happens and it drops you to here. And then it's just trying to get back to zero throughout the week. And yet we should be able to go at any given time. Any given time. Jesus can bring a whole lot out of just a little bit of time. Look at this, look at this passage again. This is a remote place, they said. Did you catch that? See, for, for some of us, the, the thing we're overlooking and, and we're missing some ministry opportunities in may not, it may not be rest, may not be time. It might be the location in which we sit, right? Because somehow there's this incongruity between the promise you feel like God gave you and then the place you sit in. You know, it's hard to walk out the door and go, oh, man, it's the cubicle another day. It's the same workplace. It's the same practice. It's the same people. And the struggle becomes the location, doesn't it? Remember, remember Abram and Lot? I'll take you back to Genesis chapter 13. Abram and Lot, these two men, they're looking at the land that they, that they have basically occupied. And they realize there's not enough room for both of us here. And so they agree we're going to go our separate ways. And, and it's amicable. But as they, as they looked at the land, Abram said, Lot, you know what? You choose first. And so Lot looks around at the land, and he sees, he sees one side uh, off to the east that's very lush. It's well watered. Excuse me, watered. It's green. It's full of resources. And Lot did what you and I would do. He went, yeah, I'm going there. I'm going there. That's Hawaii. I'm going there, okay? And Abram is left with, with what's left. And yet, you know who God said, I am going to bless you in this place? It was Abram. 
with less than ideal surroundings than Lot had, God said, I am going to bless you in this very location. Let me bring up another name that maybe isn't popular, especially here in Colorado. Uh, Tom Osborne. Okay, Tom Osborne was this, he was this, oh man, John Zimmerman's about to throw up over here. Okay, so yeah, Tom Osborne is, uh, you can't doubt his success. John, I'm sorry, we'll talk after the service, okay? But the Cornhuskers had this incredible run. Well, I came across an interview with Tom Osborne, and he said, you know, they, they said, how did you recruit the offensive line that you had? How did you get these players to come play in Nebraska and then, and then put up numbers and, and, and have the success that you've had? And Tom Osborne said, it's easy. There's nothing else to do in Nebraska. And if you've had to make that drive, especially as a little kid like we did, amen to that. I mean, my parents used to be like, well, it's, it's like the song says, amber waves of grain. Here's the problem. When you're nine years old and it's an eight-hour trip or 12 hours because the speed limit's like 20 out to Nebraska, anyway, it's like, I don't care about amber waves of grain at eight years old, Right? But the point being, Jesus can bring a lot out of just a little bit of a location. Can we look around at our surroundings? Those things that we try to avoid, we try to change and say, oh, maybe God wants to do something right here. I love how Charles Spurgeon said it. He said, there is no dark alley in all the earth that God does not want to put a lamp post in. See, you walk in a dark alley during the week, don't you? And God says, I want a light there. I want a light there. And we're all looking around at other people to do it. He says, no, you. You put a lamppost in there. Well, let's continue through the passage. Verse 37, but he answered, you give them something to eat. Yeah, it's a remote place and it's late in the day, but you give them something to eat. You feed them, and that's the whole thing, isn't it? That Jesus would step outside of him doing it all, and he'd go, you know what? You can do it. You can give them something to eat, because your relationship with me, you could actually nourish all these people. You give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? And you know what this is getting at? You know what jumped out as I was reading this? It's just a little bit of faith. I mean, you want to look at the disciples and go, just a little bit ago, you were having all kinds of ministry success. Two dozen verses before this point in Mark chapter 6, they're having all kinds of success. Just a few verses before, they're so excited to come tell Jesus all they had done. And they reported all these things to him. Now, how's it going to happen? See, a lot of times, you know what it is for us? It's just the willingness to stay in there and stay in the awe of what God is up to, even when it looks impossible. I can tell you this much. As I think about the trip that just happened this last week, if you had a bunch of youth leaders that said, oh, that is just too much, too much work, no trip would have happened. It was incredible to watch these youth leaders in action. And and it's amazing. It's been like two decades now that my wife and I have gotten to just see the youth ministry or be involved in it. And over and over, even if the faces of the leaders change, it's just what Jesus does. He says, look, if you'll give me a little bit of willingness, just a little bit of faith, 
But you know what we do? We start doing the math for God. Did you catch what they did here? I, I like how they're informing Jesus of what it would take. Have you done that before? Yeah, but God, the doctor said. That's nothing against doctors. Here, who else is in here? Engineers. Oh, the engineer said. I'm just going to go after everybody, okay? No. But we've all done the math, right? We've all tried to inform God of something he doesn't know. God, you've seen my financial situation. Oh, you've seen, the, uh, you, you've seen my health condition. You've seen my work circumstances. As if he doesn't know. He says, look, if you'll just give me a little bit of faith. Remember what he said? A mustard seed of faith. I don't need a dump truck full of it. He says, just give me a mustard seed of faith and hang in there and watch what I'm doing. But a lot of times, you know what we do? Is we ask God to give us miraculous provision before we'll believe a miracle can happen. I asked Lincoln, our... our, um, how old is that child now? He's eight years old. Sorry, you start calling the kids the dog's name and the birth dates and all that stuff. But anyway, he's into cars right now. I said, Lincoln, what would a miracle be to you right now? He's like, instantly, if we had a Lamborghini. I was like, okay, that would be a miracle. That's, no. Uh, but anyway, I said, okay, what do you think it would take to get that? He's like, well, if we just had like a pile of cash out front. And I'm like, yeah, that's another miracle. And, um, and if mom would be willing to let me have one, I was like, that would be a miracle for sure, okay? But a lot of times it, it's like we don't look around and say, no, the very miracle is that God took what little it all looks like and he made something out of it. Just a a mustard seed of faith. Jesus brings a lot out of just a little bit of faith. Keep going. Next bullet point. How many loaves do you have in verse 38, he asked? Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Five and two fish. I mean, you read that and you go, that's enough for a person, right? And for many of us, what we get caught up on, or maybe we overlook, is the little bit of resources that we have. That little bit of resources that we've got. You know, we think in terms of money, but Jesus is saying, what do you have in terms of food? Five loaves, two fish. That's it. And, and, and thousands of people, Jesus, I, I don't get it. I don't see how that little bit that we have is going gonna, is gonna to turn into that much. There's a widely circulated story about Mother Teresa that she, she dreamed aloud in front of some people one time that she wanted to build an orphanage and all she had were three shillings. And of course, the doubters spoke up because they're the ones who always speak up, always, and they laughed at her. And she was quoted as saying, Teresa, with her three shillings, can do nothing, but with God and her three shillings, Teresa can do everything. I mean, isn't that the truth? Remember, there's this account one day, Jesus is teaching. He sits down and he's watching all the people put money in <clears throat> at the temple. And a widow walks up with a mite. Now, if you don't know what a mite is, two mites would equal a word I can't even pronounce right now, but it's the smallest Roman coin in this widow. Drops in a mite. And Jesus looks at it and he says that little bit that she put in, she put in more than everybody else. 
All the rich people with all they've brought, she put in more than everybody else. And God notices that because Jesus brings a lot out of just a little bit of our resources. There's a book that was put out by a man named Nick McDonald called One Red Paperclip. And you may have heard a story, One Red Paperclip. This guy decided to start with one red paperclip and see if he could just barter his way to something bigger. And he didn't really have an end goal as to where this would go. And so he took this paperclip and he eventually got a pen. And then he took the pen and he ended up getting a few pens. And then he took those few pens and he ended up getting, I think he worked his way up to like a crock pot. Well, he keeps working his way up and he's trading and he's trading. And soon he's got a car. Takes the car, keeps going and keeps going. By the end of this journey, he had a house in Ontario, Canada. All from one red paperclip. You think God can bring a lot out of just a little bit of our resources? Of course he can. Of course he can. If we'll look at it that way. But a lot of times, you know what we do? Ah, it's just a paperclip. Oh, all I've got is five loaves and two fish. I, I, I don't know how far that could go. And we miss it and we overlook it. A couple bullet points to go. Verse 39 and 40, then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Now, this is a verse that I've just flown through every time I've read this, but, but I, was, I was taken by this idea that our gatherings, Jesus could actually use our gathering together, couldn't he? Now, let me tell you what happens when we gather together. This is just a human nature thing. If you get put in a group with people, what's the first thing you do? And you start looking for your people, right? We start looking for our people. Yeah, absolutely. And yet what strikes me about this is these people had run to encounter Jesus. So when he sat them down in their groups of 50, do you think they really cared who else was in their group? No, because they're in the presence of Jesus. And when we get in that mindset, you know what happens? Something incredible begins to happen in our gathering together. See, Jesus begins to, to nourish us and nourish others in our gathering. You know, I'm amazed at how many times the same thing keeps coming up that I learned in high school. Is that, yes, take, take the people that you're used to gathering with and then just look around and find somebody who doesn't have anybody to gather with. And it can happen in church circles as much as it can outside the walls of the church. One of the most profound lessons I was ever given in faith in high school was in the lunchroom, Nathan, look around for the person who doesn't have somebody. You want to know why? Because that's what happened with me. I mean, sure, I had friends, but I wasn't real close with anybody in particular until an acquaintance of mine who became a bit of a friend to me early in high school said, Nathan, come to lunch with us. And in doing so, in gathering, yes, this was an, uh, an informal gathering. Now it's church. It's church gatherings. Jesus can bring a whole bunch out of just a little of our gatherings. And I know I've already pointed at it, but all you had to do was see this youth trip this last week to see that in action. And it shouldn't just happen on a youth trip. It ought to happen every single time we come together. 
that yes, we're encouraged by those we know well, but we ought to be looking around for those that don't have a gathering, right? Finally, verse 41. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. See, did you know that your being part of what Jesus is up to, your serving will actually grow you? See, that other thing that we often overlook is ourselves, isn't it? Let me just ask it this way. When you look in the mirror in the morning, can you celebrate you the way Jesus celebrates you? That he looks at your life and he doesn't say, ah, qualified or not qualified. You know what he says? He says, yes. Yeah, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you. I'm going to nourish you, and then I'm going to use you to nourish other people. See, but a lot of times we do this worthless worm thing. We look in the mirror and we go, ah, there's nothing here. There's nothing here that God could possibly use. Let let me read to you from, from Psalm 8. Listen to what Psalm 8 has to say about us. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. See, that sounds a little different than the narrative that many of us walk around with, doesn't it? He says, yeah, I want to use you. Yeah, I created, I created, I created, and then he created human beings. And what did he say? He said, all that other stuff is good, but human beings, very good. See, a lot of times we overlook that God could bring a whole lot out of a little, even if it's us. I want to show you a video. Showed, showed many of you this about a year ago. But this guy says it a lot better than I do. And I think it's worth remembering, especially when we look in the mirror every day. Let's take a look. Good morning, y'all. Have you ever had somebody send you something that was just too good not to share, but maybe a little too much to type? Well, my dad sent me something the other day, and I thought it was awesome, so I was just going to share it with you. If you take this basketball right here, you put it in my hands, yeah, it's worth about 15 bucks. That's it. But you put that basketball in the hands of LeBron James, it's worth about 30 or $40 million. You take this football right here and put it in my hands, it's worth about, I don't know, $11 probably you put it in the hands of Peyton Manning it's worth about 50 60 million dollars depends on whose hands it is you take this golf club right here you put it in my hands ah, it might be worth 50 bucks maybe you put it in the hands of Tiger Woods though it's worth 80 million you see it depends on whose hands it is if I have a stick in my hand a rod in my hand I might could beat away an animal or a wild animal or something trying to come at me. But you put it in the hands of Moses and it parted the Red Sea. You put a slingshot in my hands. It just becomes a kid's toy. You put it in the hands of King David and he slays the giant with it. 
See, it depends on whose hand it is in. And, you know, two fishes and five loaves of bread would feed me with some bread left over. You put it in the hands of Jesus, and it feeds thousands. Depends on whose hands that it's in. If I had a couple nails in my hand right now, I might would build you a birdhouse, if you're lucky. Might nail down a piece of wood. But you put them same nails in Jesus' hands, and it leads to salvation and eternal life for folks who love him and folks who trust him. You see, it depends on whose hands that it's in. And your worries and your cares and the things that's got you stressed out, if you leave them in your hands, that's all they're ever going to be. But if you put them same worries and cares and your problems in the hands of Christ, he's going to see you through it. He's going to take care of every need that we got. Y'all take care and have a blessed day. But just remember, it depends on whose hands that it's in. Give everything you got to God and let him handle it for you. Take care. We love y'all. Can you imagine just a little bit of rest, just a little bit of time, just a little bit of consideration of the location you're in, a little bit of faith, a little of your resources, a little bit of your gathering, a little bit of ourselves. He said it. He put it in his hands. And Jesus brings a lot from a little. In fact, so much that we read what happens next. Verse 42, they all ate and were satisfied. What? Yeah, they all ate and were satisfied. Not just Jesus, not just the disciples, but all that they were in contact with. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. And they say men because that's what they counted back then. But you can imagine all the women and all the children with them as well. Jesus brings a lot from a little, if we'll put it in his hands. And so as the worship team comes back up, let me close us in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, in all your abundance and in all your grace and in all your mercy, Lord, we are reminded once again that all you need is just a little bit. Just a little bit, and you can turn it into so, so much. And so, Lord, it's with that theme that we're seeing in Mark, especially in Mark chapter 6, with ministry insight. Lord, write this passage on our hearts. As we, as we go from Sunday into Monday and all the other days of the week, Lord, let us see the abundance of provision and the opportunities we have to point people to you. And whether it was one of these seven places today that we discussed or something else, Lord, open our eyes. Open our eyes. Make our hearts willing to hand over, even if it's just a little. Our rest, our time, our location, our faith, our resources, our gathering, ourselves. Show us in a concrete way this week where you want to use us to, to share your name and to glorify your son. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.